0: We'll say something. <laughs> like what? I just edited something in there at the beginning of the show, but you're going to have to wait until Monday to find out what it is. Ah, uh, that old chestnut. <laughs> <laughs> Make me sound really bad. No, I'd never do that. <laughs> God, dear, what is it that people think about me, honestly? <laughs> I saw the tweet this morning, actually, about... Oh, oh we'll get to that. <laughs> we will, we'll, we will, we'll get to that. But, uh, no, I just wanted to say thank you very much, because... I'm really glad that you're a morning person now. Yeah,
1: I've uh, I've discovered the the uh, the joys of getting up at five o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and uh, having two hours to myself. Uh, two or three months ago, if you'd said five o'clock, I I would have thought tea time. Yep. So it's uh, that's the only five o'clock I know in the day. But but yeah, it's uh, it's it's changed completely, and uh, it's
0: helped me focus a huge amount. So I used to say, "There's only one six o'clock in every day." Because <laughs> you know, I've never used to get up this early. And then, obviously, since I've been swimming and trying to get to the pool early, yeah. And now my body clock just wakes me up. It doesn't matter whether it's a Sunday and I don't have to get up for anything. I'm still awake at like four minutes past six.
1: Yeah, it's the same for me. I mean, I, I, I've had the sleep cycle app on my on my phone for for a few years. And whenever I go away for a conference, I use it because obviously we're out late night drinking and then getting up early (laughs) I need to be quite fresh so I I rely on that measuring my sleep pattern and waking me up when I'm in a natural cycle of in light sleep so I feel less tired um and I've always wanted to use it at home but you can't use it in bed with somebody else because obviously it'll measure both movements um so I've been aware of this kind of 90 minute sleep cycle for a while and Knowing that, you know, if you go to bed about sort of 10 o'clock, that one of those cycles comes around about five o'clock, six. And I always used to wake up at five, go back to sleep and then feel really groggy. The first time I tried to get right, well, I'm going to get up here at five o'clock, got up and it was the best day I've ever had. <laughs> and now I naturally wake up at that time and think, okay, I'm going to get up. Mm. And it, it just happens.
0: It's been great. I've just was, it, well, I used to have my pattern the other way around. I'd be, you know, I'd get up at the last possible minute and, you know, I wouldn't do any real work until about 10 o'clock in the morning and I'd still be a little bit groggy. And then, but I'd stay awake until two, three every morning. Mm. And that's just completely gone out the window. And I do feel better. I feel so much more focused, you know? Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. But it's good because it's not often that we record on a Friday morning, but uh, Sue and I, we're going to head up to Newcastle. We're driving up there this afternoon. Cool. Because we're going to go and help uh, Naomi Atkinson with her shop. Oh yeah, that's that's it's getting close now, isn't it? Mm. Well, closer than it was. <laughs> um, hopefully, it'll be a little bit closer by the time that we've. I don't know what we're going to do. I think we might just sort of you know shovel stuff. Yeah. I might move some dust. That might be my job for the <laughs> for the weekend.
1: I've seen a few people going up and helping. Um, one of uh, one of uh, a guy follows our show quite a bit. Rab, he was he was up there the other day. Um, I saw photos on Facebook, so yeah, it's uh, getting the community to help, it's a good
0: idea. Yeah, no, it's it's I mean we haven't seen them for ages and this is the last weekend uh that we've kind of got on our own before Alex comes home for the summer. Uh huh. So we just thought ah let's go and do something different and uh yeah, no, it's gonna be fun. Cool. So we're gonna get dirty. If if the pictures of that I saw of Rab and uh and Naomi are anything to go by. <laughs> but we'll be back by the time this goes out, it'll all be a distant memory. we'll, we'll have done it all and driven back. Did I read in to the fact that you were t- tweeting about Celebrity Mastermind last night that you're not a fan of our national sport, Sean Johnson? Ah, oh, no, I hate it. I've never liked it. I was never good at it at
1: school. I never got picked for any teams. You know, this sort of, you know, you, you pick a, a player at a time. I was always last and nobody ever wanted me as, oh God, will, we'll have him then, you know, and it's, <laughs> um, and I've just never liked football. Um, I got into it a little bit, 1990 World Cup, um, because, you know, I was 20 years old, out drinking, and you you couldn't not miss it, really. But apart from that, now I I really don't like the game. Um, And it just, especially now with social media, I managed to set up some nice filters on Twitter to block out England, World Cup, Brazil, and numerous other keywords. But I can't do that on Facebook. (laughs) So... So I've been posting some quite uh, anti-football status updates on uh, Facebook, which my friends have enjoyed, but
0: no, I don't like it. I suppose living in Peterborough, well, you haven't got a local team to really follow <laughs> there anyway, have you? Well, there is one, but, you know, it's it's not, oh, yeah, well, ah, I'm not interested. <laughs> could be worse. You could live in Norwich. <laughs> no, I was gutted, gutted, obviously, because I thought this was going to be our World Cup. I thought this was going to be our year. I think everybody
1: thinks that every year though don't they oh, I that... think it every world cup yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean they played well enough. But that's my that's my football pundit voice by the way. <laughs> it's very funny. I do that when when England play it really annoys Sue cuz I'll sit there watching the game and I'll say things like oh we couldn't keep that down. <laughs> so I come out with these kind of very corny football punditry comments. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, shut up. You know nothing about football. <laughs> nothing. Because I don't, and I'm a bit like you. I never, I didn't like sport at school. You know, I always hated um, team sports. That was, yeah. like, you know, my worst nightmare. Yeah. And I, you know, i cheat at cross country.
1: That's <laughs> so there used to be a few of us we'd stop off in one corner for a fag (laughs) 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 and they'd go and do a loop of another field then come back and we'd tag on the end (laughs) Yep.
0: so didn't like that and i don't follow club football you know i mean i'd I'd watch a game if it was on but you know we don't have sky sports or anything and you know i might watch the european cup or you know i'd definitely watch the world cup so it's, it's generally world cup football that i kind of get excited about yeah um and you know the, the the first stages are always the best because it's are we going to get through we're not going to get yeah, through now yeah. of course now of course we won't know whether or not we're through we're not through i know that we're not through it's just a hopeless optimism yeah yeah you've got master all wrong well i did
1: i when i posted that comment um they were making burgers and I mean one of them had never made a burger before, and somebody else was frying some lettuce in a frying pan. I'm like, yeah, this is master chef it's not kids' kindergarten cooking lesson It's, like, <laughs> but but still
0: hey <laughs> that was another thing I was no good at at school cookery
1: well that's what i i mean i was I was never good at anything at school, but now you know i I really love my food uh and and I love cooking and and stuff so uh, that's where my passion lies really.
0: No, pineapple upside down cake is my long <laughs> longest lasting memory of cookery classes at school anyway it's you've got it all wrong you shouldn't be watching the british master chef anyway because the people who know about these things they watch master chef australia oh i can't watch those that's things that's the oh. one that's the one to watch
1: i i I've, I've watched oh there was i can't remember there was one show that went around the world um I think it might have been grand designs and it just you can see this yeah, it was it is grand designs australia because the the guy who's very typically australian was trying to be um what's the guy who does it kevin kevin mcleod mm-hmm. and it, oh, it just i thought it was so cringeworthy and i i, I, I can't watch those you know other countries
0: versions of our our, our programming it just uh no. Oh, well, I can't watch some of them because I want to. You know, I'd love to live in Australia, and it just makes me. There's one where it's like find a, a complete company. What am I talking about? But families that want to move to Australia, and it's like, let's go find them a house in Perth. And I uh, think, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And, and I think you, because <laughs> that's what I'd do if I was, you know, twenty or thirty years younger. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I tried. I tried South African Master Chef as well, but man, that's that's all wrong. <laughs> I'm all going to wrong. have to
1: look some of these programs up now.
0: It's all <laughs> wrong. They they cook with things that people aren't supposed to eat. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it's strange African ingredients. I mean, you know, artichokes are bad enough. But, no, no let's not talk about artichokes again, because we're just going to exhaust the food, the food <laughs> ranting. So let's do a sponsor before we get into things. Okay. Our first sponsor this week, it's Hover. And they really are the best way to buy and manage your domain names. And I know that because when I started using Hover, I just like the experience so much that I just recommend them now to all of our clients. So as someone that runs a business like I do, I don't need something that should really be simple, something like buying and managing domain names to distract me from what I'm doing. And I don't need unnecessary complications. I just want the process to be smooth and simple. And I want help quickly when I have a question or a problem. And many domain registrars, they, they try to squeeze every last penny out of you. Mm. You know, whatever it's for, whether it's for, you know, domain privacy or um, anything like that. And, uh, and hover don't do that. Hover's different with them. Everything's included that you'd like to want. Who is Privacy included for free on every domain name that supports it. And, you know, when I ask Hover for support, a real live person gets back to me kind of almost immediately with information about well, whatever it is I'm doing. And that's something else I love about Hover. They take all of the friction out of registering a domain name. And they'll even offer a, a valet transfer service just to make it as easy as possible for you to move your domains. And there's no charge for that. Hover just take care of everything for you. Well, there's a lot that I could say about Hover and why I like using them. But, you know, I think you should give them a go. I think you'll enjoy using Hover. So for 10% off your entire first purchase, just go to hover.com and use the offer code UNFINISHED and start using Hover. Which is what exactly what I did this week. Because I registered two new UK domain names this week. I saw that, yeah. I registered stuffandnonsense.uk and malarkey.uk, cuz you know those are the two main ones that i use and uh, yeah painless really simple and yeah i love hover
1: cool i need i need to look at something to get all my domains in one place cuz i've currently got i mean i've used i've used one provider for for donkey's years um but then of late the more some of the more obscure domain extensions um you know some of these trendy you know dot is or dot io or that you know they don't handle that so i'm starting to find i'm getting i'm using different providers now and they're all over the place so it'd be nice to bring it all into one place
0: yeah hover's a place to do what i'm doing is i'm moving all my domain names to hover the ones that are registered in other places yeah. and i'm keeping my domain registrations independent of hosting yeah because i think that's important yeah just to you know not pour your eggs in one basket I don't know why it just seems to make sense.
1: No, no, it does make sense as well. Cause, I mean, I, 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 up until recently I was, I was providing hosting for my clients and, um, I learned that lesson very early on by having all of my domains with one provider, having the DNS server with, with them and the, the host with them, you know, they're, they were based, they're based in Gloucester. Um, doesn't take too much to work out who they were. Um, but with all these floods, <laughs> their data center got knocked out and everything got knocked out so obviously when the servers finally came back online they had to wait for the dns's to be repropagated and all this technical rubbish that basically meant my sites were down for longer than they they needed to be and so i i've i've learned the lesson to have my domain names hosted away from the sites and yeah, just, it just gives you a bit more control doesn't it so
0: It does. And, you know, well, I'm not going to talk about Hover anymore, but they are, they're incredibly good. They've always been really good every single time that I've used them. I mean, I registered the unfinished.bz with them, and that was the first one I used. First time I'd used them. And uh, they were excellent. Cool. We've got lots to talk about. Yeah. I want to mention a couple of things, though, before we get going. Most importantly, the most important news of the week. Have you seen the final Dawn of the Planet of the Apes trailer? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ah, it looks—it looks better than I possibly imagined.
1: Yeah, I, I've seen I've seen a couple of them leading up to. um It took me a while to get into, because I saw I, when I saw the first Apes film, the the, the first re-redone Apes film. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, no. No. Um, the Planet
0: of the Apes. Um, oh, what Tim Burton's? Yeah. No, that's completely, completely different. Well,
1: this is the thing, and I thought, uh, I, 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 it's all right, but it's just like a kind of remake of, you know, I don't know. uh, And it it took me a long time to actually get into, get to watch Rise. And when I watched it, I was like, "Whoa, (laughs) why have I waited so long? This is amazing!" And yeah, I think I've, uh, I've, I've got some of your enthusiasm for apes films. The
0: thing that I mean, the trade is amazing. And seeing apes on horseback, you know, with the city on fire and all of that. I mean, I just, I mean, that's, that's everything that I love about the symbolism of planet of the apes. I mean, that's, that's everything there. The thing that I I hope I really hope I don't struggle with is ape speech. I'm a little bit uncomfortable with the way that with the snippets of a little bits of ape speech that I hear I've heard on the trailers because that was the only thing about rise of the planet of the apes that i did, didn't quite sit well with me was when caesar speaks at the end
1: that's what i liked about this that i wasn't so keen on in the well, world i didn't realize it, tim, it was a tim burton film the the other one um but yeah the, 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 you know this is early in the evolution of the apes um, yeah so you know perhaps they did speak Yeah, you know, they, they they're not going to be fluent in, <laughs> in, no. in 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 in
0: conversational language so it's kind of I, I think it's quite realistic well when when caesar says at the end of rise of the planet of the apes and he says caesar is home i yeah. always felt that was much more of a of a structured sentence than maybe he should be able to say i mean maybe right. he should have said caesar home
1: Okay. Which yeah. would, have,
0: yeah. But now with the, the voices that I've heard in the trailers. Well, first of all, it sounds a little bit like, um, it sounds a little bit like Batman. <laughs> He's got that kind of like, war is coming. That kind of really low. Yeah. yeah. I don't know whether chimpanzees would sound like that. <laughs> um, so I don't know. That's the only thing that I'm, uh, that I'm slightly worried about. Everything else looks Absolutely amazing. Yeah, and no, I think you'll enjoy it. I'll put a link in the show notes for anybody that well, everybody's <laughs> gonna have seen it by now. they God, oh god clucky's ranting about apes again.
1: It's one of those trailers, I, I tweeted this to, to Rachel Shilcock actually, it's one of those trainers that you, you 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 switch to 1080 HD, let it buffer up and then back it up full screen and sit back with a cup of tea. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah, so it's, it's those, it's the Marvel films, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's, only, there's only some traders you do it
0: with, but that was definitely one of them. Well, there's this and obviously Godzilla out this summer, mm, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, But I, th- I think that the summer's all going to be about Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. I just want to say thanks to everybody that emailed in and tweeted about last week's show with Jeremy Keith. Because, you know, we, we get a bit of feedback. Yeah. You know, sometimes sometimes people write and sometimes people tweet and actually we've got a lot we've got a lot of feedback from last week's show people seem to actually quite like it i
1: i loved it it's it, it it's it's too easy um for people to have a conversation and that conversation just to go in the same direction and you know I, i've I've heard jeremy on a few other um shows with other people and when he does his t- talks as well he's he's you know he's he's not afraid to go against the grain a bit and, and challenge people. Whereas a lot of people just agree for the sake of, you know, keeping the conversation happy. It, it's, uh, yeah, it's good. And I, and I, and I, I've got, I mean, I've got a few points to, to maybe pick up again uh, on, on okay. some of the things you talked about, but I, I, I've, you know, he, I totally get where he's coming from. I'm probably more on side with you, but it's, yeah, he, can, he can, he's, he's, he's got, um, a great ability to, Open your mind up to new ways of thinking.
0: He's a, he's a very clever, he's a very lovely and he's a very clever person. Very intelligent. He's he's incredibly intelligent and he's so widely read, Mm -hmm. um, that he, you know, he understands and, you know, knows all of these references from different people. I haven't, I have never read the book that, um, Soylent Green was based on. Who, who has, (laughs) you know, so he's, you know, he's, he's lovely and he'll come back on the show at some point, but we'll come back to that a a bit later on. I don't want to jump ahead. Um, Related to that though, did you read a lady called Laura Nevo's Dear Visual Design Letter? It was on the pastry box this week. Yeah, I've just read it this morning. Well, you know, it was funny. I mentioned that I was going to be talking about this, you know, on the show today. I mentioned it on Twitter yesterday because it was a, a link. I think Mark Bolton, um, mentioned something and I don't read the pastry box every day so Mm i you know happened to just follow the link and and i read this and i did one of my kind of i don't know reactions which is you know i effing hate this (laughs) which which that was my initial reaction to it you know twitter for me is often just like sort of you know shouting out loud Mm. um anyway all sorts of people seem to have popped up worried about what I'm going to say about that article, about that letter on the podcast when I'm talking to you. And, <laughs> and you know, people worried about what I might say about Laura, who wrote it, I don't quite understand, so I just want to get one thing straight, right? For between you know you, me and, and the listeners out there in Listener land, <laughs> I would never even be remotely nasty to somebody about what they'd written like that, you know, particularly somebody that I don't know. Um, and particularly, you know, especially unprovoked, she, you know, she didn't, she didn't write that up to me. You know, she wrote that and, you know, it's her opinion. And you know, she wrote that in a public space. She didn't send it to me, you know, so hmm. for me to react and say, Oh my God, what a, you know, and, and insult her in some way. You know, it's not about being critical about the article, about the letter, but you know, to insult her in some way. I would never do that. I mean, if if anybody knows what it's like to have someone attack you in public, unprovoked, it's me. Yeah. I would never do that. And I really wish that people didn't think that I would do that. And I'm confused. And I'm confused where this idea comes from that somehow i'm going to be jumping on the podcast and talking to my mate sean and ranting about this letter and being nasty to laura where 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 does that come from i mean you know you you know me well enough tell me where 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 does that impression come from i think you can
1: have an opinion a strong opinion about something and you can talk passionately about it and i think when when you talk passionately about things and i'm I'm, when i'm saying you i'm 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 talking generally i mean anybody who's passionate about something um you know it comes across and sometimes that may be interpreted as being you know very one-sided or um this this is this is what i enjoyed about the conversation you had with jeremy last week you know you you were you were very passionately talking about it but then you know jeremy he didn't rip you down but he said he took a very strong stance and offered his his side of it and and you know maybe that's what people enjoyed about it you know somebody was there was a challenge there and and i i think maybe you know that, that is that is that what people see when, when when people are passionate about something you know does that mean that you're argumentative and you know i i know when i've argued a point um or defended a point um maybe in a pitch um or you know in my last job i used to go out with 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 the md quite a lot on the pitches and you know I, i'd be passionately defending a, a, a part of the design or something and and afterwards you're kind of say you know you you, you were very passionate there you need to rein that in a little bit so you, yeah. you can get it can get misinterpreted um and maybe that's where where it comes from you know
0: it's I don't know because you know if people know me well enough and i hoped i do hope that doing this show week in week out people will get a better understanding of what i'm like not just the tone of voice but you know they'll they'll know what i'm about mm. which you know you possibly don't get through an impression you know on twitter so but i got there was a tweet from alex Duloz who he runs the we started the pastry box thing okay um and he sent me a tweet this morning and he said while i Do my best not to engage on Twitter. I strongly suggest you remember. And then he sends me a link to one of the pastry box posts that I did back in 2012. And it was the one that said, anything that's fixed and unresponsive isn't web design anymore. It's something else. If you don't embrace the inherent fluidity of the web, you're not a web designer. You're something else. Web design is responsive design. Responsive web design is web design done right. Right. Which is, you know, I stand by that. Yeah. He then went on to say, I was talking about how it made you feel, as in me, when people went onto Twitter with F-words to comment on my opinion. And the point was, was that I got the hump with people, and, you know, there's plenty of them out there, and they know who they are. I got the hump with people that said things like, what a total knob Andy Clark is. They weren't saying, that's a knobbish thing to say. Yeah. They weren't saying, I completely disagree you know, whatever, and they weren't even on the verge of saying. And if I said to you on Twitter or in person or to your face, right? Oh man, you're just such a Burke. Well, <laughs> actually, do you know where the do you know where Burke comes from? No. Ah, oh, man. Okay, I know I might do, but you, you're well, gonna have to remind me. The word Burke. If you call somebody a Burke, <laughs> it's actually Cockney rhyming slang for Berkeley Hunt. Ah uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I, yeah, I did know that, but I I need to remind it, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I could just say, ah, oh, Sean Johnson is <laughs> such a berk, right? Or I could just sort of say, you know, silly sod. And there's plenty of other words that, that I might use as well. Now I'm not actually really, you know, going after you there. I'm not sort of saying, you know, no, Sean no, Johnson, not not you're a total sure. knob. I'm basically, you know, when that happened and I reacted to people. They were, you know, I was reacting to the fact that they were being personally offensive. They weren't, you know, criticizing my point. They were being personally offensive. And then he goes on and he says, you don't do civil. (laughs) Right. And I remember you talking about civil. Anyway, your Twitter account, your podcast, I'm off. So I replied to that. (laughs) What did I say to him? I basically said, there is no cause. I'm always civil. I haven't recorded anything yet and have a good day. And then he gets back to me and he says, well, being respectful is is another one. So basically he means that that, that's a cause. And then he then says, when you talk about breaking fingers, well, Jesus flipping Christ, right? If I just thought, if I say, Ah man, I'm just going to break your fingers. You know what? If I actually make an explicit threat, if I was to threaten you on Twitter and say, I'm Sean Johnson, I'm going to come around your house and break your fingers, right? Not only would you report me to Twitter and I'd be thrown off. But you'd report me to the police as well. Now, you know, I have never done that. No. So, you know, F- grow up is what I say. And secondly, my, my initial reaction when I when I read things like that is just sod off. Yeah. You know, that's the kind of thing. And I worry. I worry about that. I mean, do I do I put out the wrong signals? I mean, you know, tell me. I don't know.
1: I mean, maybe you see. I've I, I've listened to most of your shows over the last well, it's well over a year now, and I've met you a couple of times, spent a bit of time with you. Um, uh, you know, rather than just sort of meet and greet, you know, we sort of spent most of the day together at uh, Milton Keynes Geek Night, and I kind of, you know, I, I've got to know you uh, in terms of. I, I know I can, I can, you know, those those comments that you might make, uh, they're kind of like in jest that you do with your mates down a pub. You sort of, oh, you you silly twat or you just, you know, it's kind of, you know, and that happens. But I wonder if those people who don't have that opportunity to, to, um, get to know you. And again, I'm talking generally. I know I'm, you know, I, I have a problem. I'm a I'm a firm believer in keeping emails succinct, you know, and having a nice short email. And I I rant a lot on Twitter. Now I I wonder I I'm quite conscious that I wonder if people think I'm a bit of a dick because of what I say or maybe how I address a point in the email and stuff. Um, and it's kind of yeah, I I I feel a little bit the same way, and I think it can be totally misinterpreted when you've only got 140 characters to express yourself in.
0: I, I, I don't know. Um, I take offence to the idea that people think that somehow I would be, you know, nasty. Because you know, I'm the complete opposite of that. Yeah. And I might, and I might, you know, I might say that you that you're a pillock for, you know, something. But you know, maybe it's a generational thing. I used to say, you'd say all kinds of stuff that you won't be able to get away with now.
1: But well, you do. <laughs> it's like you know. I, I openly call people, well, not so much on Twitter, cause it's, it's a lot more public than my Facebook account. Um, but, you know, I, I, I call certain groups of people morons and stuff, but, you know, for, for the very reason that what moron means, you know, they're not thinking about something properly or, you know, they're just, and I, I don't know. I think you, like, it's easy to get misinterpreted, um, when, your communication device or, or method of communication is limited. Yeah, um, I think I think so. Especially when you're passionate about something, because you know when you when you are passionate about something, you talk. You you know you, you might stamp your feet a little bit, or you you know you raise your pitch, or you raise your tone, and you 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 talk with passion. And that you know I've I've it, I don't like football, but seeing some of the people discussing the football matches on the news and, you know, obviously the news finishes and then the sport starts. Seeing some of these people talk passionately, yeah, you know, I'd say, look, oh, look at these idiots arguing about bloody football again. No, they're not. They're just discussing it, you know, but they're passionate yeah. about it. So it kind of looks, um, aggressive. And, uh, it's, it's a tough one because I, I've been on both the receiving end and the dealing end of emails that have got me or somebody else into trouble because they've been misinterpreted um purely down to the fact that you know this this ones I I I like to get what I want to say into one sentence rather than a, a 500 word bloody essay because you know who's going to read the 500 word essay yeah everyone'll read the one sentence and misinterpret it
0: <laughs> yeah well it, sometimes sometimes i wish that there was like a uh, a setting in tweet bots <laughs> where there was like a, a two minute delay where you can post something. And then if you regret it, the instant that you've sent it, you could just sort of, you know, hang on a minute. It's it stuck in my thing. I was going to, I can delay that going out. Cause my first reaction at reading Alex's tweets this morning, yeah. my first reaction was sod off your pompous. B-. Yeah. Now, you know, I didn't say that and I'm really glad that I didn't say that. But, you know, that was what was going on in my head because, you know, I'd been provoked yeah. and I can't think of a single time when I've been nasty to somebody unprovoked. I mean, sure, I'll react. And, you know, and I think I'm often right in reacting because, you know, if, if, if you, if you're being nasty, then you're going to get what you give back. Yeah, You know, I would never go out of my way to be, you know, to be offensive about, for example, Laura, who we're going to talk about in a minute because, you know, But that's not what that's not what I do. I mean, I go out of my way to help people and encourage people. I mean, that was the whole idea behind my, you know, letter to a junior designer thing on a list apart. Because, you know, if there's one thing that I have done for the last 15 years is actually to encourage people. Yeah. So the last thing that I'm about is discouraging people from, you know, standing up and actually having an opinion. Because I want more people to have an opinion. I might not agree with it, you know, and I might sort of say, I don't agree with that. But I'm not going to go after you publicly and personally because, you know, God, that's not what I'm about. No, no. God, I got me riled up this morning. (laughs) Anyway, there we go. So there was this, (laughs) there was this letter, this sort of uh, pastry box post that Laura Nevo posted in the, in the form of a letter to a visual designer. And I know, I know I've talked about Ken and this letter to a, the junior designer on a List Apart recently, which was very much about sort of um, potentially sort of pushing his UX agenda. That was the under the undercurrent of, of, of his letter. But this one, this letter that Laura, I have to say, it got right up my nose. And there was a couple of couple of extracts. I'm not going to read the whole thing. You can go off and read it yourself. Yeah. But there's a couple of things that I thought, first of all, don't make sense, and secondly, um, are such kind of sweeping generalizations about design and are very dismissive about the areas of design that are not, for example, user experience. So she says here, being a web designer is hard, though. Print influence is a handicap for web design. The former cares about the delivery, the latter the continuity. Yep, that makes you schizophrenic visual design. Well, hang on a minute. Let's just rewind that back a bit. Print influence is a handicap for web design. What does that mean exactly? Are we talking about the fact that the decades, probably longer of design thinking and learning and expertise in terms of typography, for example, don't help web design? Are we thinking about all the ways that, you know, we learn to set type? That doesn't matter in, in, on the web. Cause that's, that's crazy. Hmm. Are we talking about layout influences? For example, nothing about user experience in my mind teaches you about layout. How, what about proportions? What about, what about ratios? What about all of those things that we as designers have learned and built on other people's work from lots of different media over the years? Are you telling me that, for example, a magazine uh, layout can't influence an inspiring web design? Because if we look at, for example, you know, you go, you, you open up the Sunday papers, you open up the Sunday paper magazines, and I guarantee there'll be some elements of print design in there that you think, "God, that could be quite cool if we do that on the web." Yeah, yeah. In fact, you know, in hard boiled and in transcending CSS, in particular, that's what I did. In fact, the last, the latter section of um, transcending was was me going back to some stuff from my scrapbook some interesting design layouts and basically say, how are we going to make these you know, in CSS? So I think that the letter gets off on completely the wrong foot. There's another bit here. What appealed to me, and she's talking about UX, was the constant questioning, why are we doing this? Now, does that imply that we don't ask ourselves, why are we doing something when we don't do necessarily user experience design? I mean, I'm constantly asking myself, well, why? I'm constantly asking, why am I choosing that color? I'm thinking about why, well, the, the, everything is about the why.
1: Mm.
0: It's almost as if what we do in terms of visual design is superficial in some way. Because then she says, it wasn't pretty at all and didn't care about slick mock-ups. So does that mean that what a visual designer, in inverted commas, does is just about slick mock-ups? Because mm. then in her mind here, she says here, the pitch was the action, the collaboration, making stuff quickly, testing it, throwing it out if I didn't work more conceptually, more post-its, more sketching. Well, that's exactly the approach that Kenneth was talking about in his letter. It's exactly the sort of approach that Jeremy was talking about last week on the show in terms of, you know, an iterative design process. I've never said that we shouldn't do that. You know, I do that every day. When I first read it, um,
1: the first sort of gist that I got of it was, um, you know, let's roll back... I don't know how many years now let's go back about 10 years and for the most part I think the majority of people would go to a pitch with um after saying you know the client comes to you and says, we need a website oh great let's have a look, quick look at your branding let's see you know what what, what let's let, let's let's come up with some ideas of what this website going to look like and let's try and sell you this look of a website without going through that you know I think mo- I think a lot of people certainly a lot of the listeners to to the freelance web. And I'm, I'm guessing many of your listeners are probably familiar with that process. You know, you, you, the client wants a website and they think they need these features. So you go away and you create a visual based on what they, what they think they want. And, you know, it's going to look cool and funky and, you know, trendy or whatever. And you hope that they say, yeah, that's cool. Let's go away and build it. Um, but now there's more of a lean towards this user experience thing. But the pro- I've, the problem I've got with this user experience thing is <sighs> you, it, it can be too specialized. And I'm wondering if, is that where Laura's at and she's picking, you know, on, on, on second read of the letter and delving a bit deeper is, is, is she sort of seeing that, you know, we're not, we're now doing user experience and, That's it, and we there isn't room for this this kind of being visually creative around that.
0: Maybe I think so, and the whole kind of dichotomy between visual design and which is it is something that I don't quite understand why it's called that, and this kind of fashionable user experience design is somehow that you you, either have either or. You know, one one right is and the fact that I as a designer might have a fabulous idea for something but that's not valid until it's been you know tested and pulled apart yeah. or whatever that's the stuff that i kind of uh that i kind of object to and it's like for example here you know the, the whole tenant of the letter is you know she's leaving visual design and going off and doing something else and she says at the very end you know can we still be friends as long as i don't have to carry a paper bag to breathe in every time there's a meeting i don't know what that means actually i'm sure we can still enjoy each other's presence tweaking a couple of typefaces or colors maybe even create some css transitions for your next design well is that what you think visual designers do i mean what a way to dismiss an entire profession going back <laughs> generations yeah. right you know we tweak things as designers we tweak things i mean it makes you know it makes my blood boil well this is this is the this links quite nicely actually with the, the comments
1: I had regarding some of the conversation I had with, with Jeremy last week. You, you spoke with Jeffrey Zeldman a few, quite, a couple of months ago about this, the golden age of advertising. And then that came into the conversation last week, how there seems to be, um, a lack of consideration for ideas anymore. It's all about, you know, proving stuff through iteration and prototypes and all that kind of refining stuff that there's very little self expression anymore and do people see design as being purely the aesthetic side of things to me personally design is is problem solving it's not artistic expression if you go back to the golden age of advertising they weren't called graphic designers they were called graphic artists or commercial artists or art directors exactly because they you know it it, it was about expression um and, you know, you can look at some of the greats, uh, like Paul Rand. You can see a piece of artwork and say, you know, Paul Rand designed that. Um uh, Same as some you know, Saul Bass stuff. And you can roll off these design. You know, what would the face magazine look like without Neville Brody behind it? And, and so on. And, yeah, I, you don't kind of get that anymore particularly on the website it's it's still it still happens a bit more in graphic design you know you've got these cool kids coming on the scene like riley Cran. i don't know if you've seen any of riley's work he's got a very distinctive style that applies to all the work that he does but all the work that he does is still relevant to that brand that he's designing for and so on but yeah there, there certainly seems to be a lack of it in in the web world now and and you know are people making that assumption that design is just the visual element the the aesthetic of it the look and feel
0: the feeling that i get the undertone i get from these conversations um particularly the ones that you know we've referred to is that somehow the visual Aspects, you know, when they, th- when they wrap things up and they call it visual design, mm. it's therefore just about the aesthetics. And that's a huge misconception mm. because what I do is, you know, obviously about the aesthetics, but it's about a hell of a lot more than just the aesthetics. And also somehow that what we do is superficial, that something can only be meaningful once it's been, you know, pulled apart and tested. And. That's the thing that irks me the most. And I'm not a graphic designer. I didn't train to be a graphic designer. Mm. I didn't go to, didn't go to do a, a course on graphic design at art school. I'm a painter. You know, I went to art school to do painting and ended up doing printmaking and photography. Yeah. So I'm not steeped in graphic design history and you know, the work that, I look at sometimes the graphic design work that I look at on Dribbble, for example, which is, you know, a place where I'd maybe go and look at it. Yeah. You know, I'm very envious of, of that, you know, and I'd love to be able to create that kind of stuff, but I'm not, I'm not technically accomplished enough to do it. And I don't have that graphic design background to, you know, even get me anywhere near that. But, you know, there's a difference between that kind of graphic design and the whole kind of, you know, the art directed idea, which is much more what I'm about. But the thing that really irks me about these conversations is that somehow it's this um subtext that unless it's about the experience, therefore it's not valuable, yeah and somehow, if you come up with something on your own that it can never be as good as something which has been you know come up through i don't know some u x process yeah
1: the big focus group that's you know ironed it out and uh you yeah
0: just churned it over and over again and refined it to this thing yeah you know this as well as i do when you record a podcast especially with somebody as sharp-witted as jeremy and then you listen back when you edit it and you think oh i wish i'd said that <laughs> um and i did that all the way through the couple of hours that it took me to edit last week's show yeah. because i really wished I'd thought of, ah, yeah, well, I wish i would thought i hate
1: that. people like jeremy I because he he <laughs> Those things that you wish you said, he says. Yeah, I know. and he's <laughs> just, you know, some people are, are, are really, really on it. But I,
0: I and I have hmm. I have a second opportunity because I'm I'm going to be on uh, Jen Simmons's Web Ahead podcast. Okay. We're recording that on Thursday, so I imagine that will come out Thursday or Friday of of this coming week. Yeah. So I am going to be going over the same kind of things again, but and hopefully I'll be a little bit more lucid at that point. But I just I. I don't want to set it up as if it's some kind of great religious battle between, you know, user experience and the big idea, because that's really not what it's about. I think that what I'm railing against is the notion that user experience is everything, which most certainly is not.
1: We see this is I'm not sure if I if I express what I wanted to express a moment ago when I said the problem I've got with UX design. The the thing is, people see it as one small part, or it, it's 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 a thing. But to me, it's not. It's it's more. It's much more holistic. You know, I'm I'm I've changed the way I work no end in the, in in recent years because of responsive web design, because of this trend towards user experience design. But I saw not so much recently because Aral's... Ar- 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 Changed, you know, he's he's focusing on his his phone thing and this privacy issue at the moment. But a couple of years ago, a lot of Varal's talks about, you know, we've all seen his thing with the, you know, the orange juice dispenser and not get in the cup and he 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 made a point about you know he he was an experienced designer not a user experience designer he was an experienced designer because you know whatever we do whether we're designing print materials brochures brand identity systems websites mobile device um, you know apps and stuff we're designing experiences you know, for people, what, so whether that's a physical experience where they touch the screen or move a mouse around and, and interact or whether they experience emotion when they meet with this brand, um, or they, you know, they drink Coca Cola and they get that Coca Cola feeling, that kind of stuff that it's an experience. And it's, it, you need to, I think in my most humble opinion, I think we need to, whatever we're doing, we need to look at the whole experience and design, um, Rather than just focus on this user experience is, is, is the thing. Um, and, and if you can't express yourself, um, visually through, you know, through design or art, you know, artistic impression, which I think a designer is a skill a designer should have, then how, how can you express a brand? You know, how can you express a brand's emotion and, 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 and influence people's experience and stuff? So I think it's, you know, it, I think the, a lot of these discussions are being led by, um, maybe narrow, um, not tunnel visions, probably not the right word, but, but looking at specific areas without looking, and they should be looking more at the whole picture.
0: I, th- I think it's about voices and the voices that I hear. And i and I listen fairly widely. Yeah. Um, the voices that I hear are drowning out the voices that talk about the stuff that I want to yeah. talk about, if indeed those voices exist. And, you know, it comes down to, for me anyway, it comes down to the fact that, you know, I'm thinking about doing a little bit of a realign on the stuff site. There's some things that I know that I need to fix. I know that it's very hard to find certain blog posts. Um, and I know that that's an issue which I'd like to fix. To me, that's a user experience issue. Yeah. Um, I know that I'd like to really improve what happens when people contact us because when they press the button on the contact form, there's a period of time that between, you know, I that's maybe the last time that they actually interact with the website because from then they're going to be dealing with me on the phone or by email or whatever. And I want to improve that post-pressing-the-button experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Giving giving them something to do while they wait for me to come back to them. Mm. Right. That's a user experience issue. None of that, none of that affects why there are apes on the homepage.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Now,
0: Why are there apes on the homepage? Well, why are they going to be chimpanzees, you know, carrying pianos on the new homepage? (laughs) Why, 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 why is that a thing? Right now? I, I worry that young designers who are, coming into working on the web are only hearing one side, one voice. Um, and they're not considering, you know, the other panoply of, um, Influences and components that are going to come in to make an effective website. And if we only think, this is the last thing I'll say. If we only think about the user experience and we subjugate the visual design to, as Laura said at the end of her letter here, tweaking a couple of typefaces or colors, what we'll end up with is a web that looks like Squarespace. Yeah. And in fact, that's what we've got. Yeah, exactly. Phew, let me do another sponsor. Our next sponsor this week is MacRabbit's Espresso, the text editor. I love Espresso. And it's the editor that I've used to write code every day for about as long as I can remember. And I've used it so much and I've used it so often that I can't remember really. I can't imagine using anything else to write my HTML and my CSS. Because it's got all the tools that I need to make writing and editing code simple and efficient. You know, I write a lot of CSS. And Espresso's got... It's award-winning CSS edit tools built right in. It's got code sense, code folding, smart snippets and drag and drop navigator. It's all going to help you write better code in less time. And I know that there are lots of other tools that may have the same thing, but Espresso just pulls it together in such a beautiful package. I love using it. And I find myself using things like search and find and replace quite a lot, especially when I'm moving from design to production code. I'm moving from maybe flat templates to PHP for perch. And quick filtering, color highlighting. It just makes searching the contents of files really quick too. Everybody's workflow is slightly different and Espresso includes a flexible workspace that will fit in with yours. When you're ready to see how your work will look in a browser, it has a fantastic web preview feature with x-rays so that you can see how the HTML and the CSS that you're writing is going to affect the pages that you're building. And it visualizes margin and padding too and helps to quickly find and edit any relevant styles for any element. And then when you're finished, just sync and publish your work up to a web server with the built-in tools. You know, I I try different text editors. You know, I tried Sublime Text 2 for about five minutes. Couldn't figure out how to open a file, so I deleted it. But (laughs) I just I keep finding myself coming back to Espresso, and I can't imagine using anything else. Espresso is available from unfinished.bz/espresso, and it's only 75 US dollars. But, listeners to the show, you can get a fantastic 10% discount by using the coupon code UNFINISHED at the checkout. And that's Espresso. Right, just to finish off about Laura's article, I'm going to put uh, links to her letter in the show notes. And Adam Robertson, who is the user experience director at, uh, I don't know how you say the name of their company. (laughs) Function. Yeah. For f- function. Function. It's a bit of a stutter. Did he maybe he was uh maybe he, he, I think he was drunk one night and they come up with the idea. Someone
1: yeah. wrote it down wrong.
0: Maybe he had the shakes when he was um filling in the company's house <laughs> registration. Something like that. He give a bit of DTs. And uh somehow, having met Adam a couple of times, I don't think that's completely completely um out of the realms of possibility. <laughs> Somehow. Sorry, mate. He's written a reply, a dear Laura reply, as if he's coming from visual design. So, uh, yeah, I like a that. that. I'll, put a, yeah. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So what's happening with your podcast? Cause it, it's been so long since you recorded one that I've forgotten what it's called.
1: I've been on a, on a, on a, on a voyage of self discovery. <laughs> no, I, um, we, we kind of, I don't know, we, we sort of we didn't get round to recording another show we did we did this around christmas time or just after christmas and we thought or oh, maybe we'll break and do series um but then it didn't happen and we picked up the pace again but this time we kind of paused um it was just after the net awards actually we were just about we were going to record um on the fr- well obviously the friday when we were at the net awards and then we didn't get around to it and then you know it's now been <laughs> quite a few weeks um but actually it's given me room to think a bit about the content I felt that we were stagnating a little bit and we were repeating stuff week in week out and you know that that that, that discussion about depression and was was repeating every week and I don't know I just felt that yeah, where will we go in there's only so many topics you can discuss when you're talking about uh, you, you can discuss when you're talking about the business mm. side of what we do um oh, that's your tagline isn't it sorry uh, <laughs> but but you know you, you talk about price and you talk about contracts you talk about this that, and the other there comes a point where you're going to have to go back and repeat it so i kind of almost wanted that break so not intentionally we've had a break that actually i feel it's been quite a good thing because now we can you know, we're, we're almost ready to start again. And, and so we might do this every year is take a month or two off just to kind of, you know, get back into the swing of things. Cause sometimes last, last year, especially when we had problems recording a show and we did it two or three times, it, it really ate into my schedule. Um, so, but no, we're, we're coming back and, um, you know we, we 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 you mentioned earlier about you know my my getting up early and I've been getting up and writing which um for me is amazing because I'm not a writer I've tried starting endless blogs in the past and I've never I've never gone past two or three posts um so I've been writing and um it's helped it helps me clear my head i it just sets me up but i'm I've got quite a lot of content now for a blog post you know for for, for a blog that would've been promising that's coming to the freelance web so we're gonna you know have a little sort of shifty on the web design and 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 get get a new site up there with some blog posts and and relaunch the show again so we're coming back we're just we're just
0: having a bit of a breather really it's hard i mean having a single topic podcast you know like, Mm. like when we started off you know thinking about whatever whatever you said our introduction was our tagline you know business end of web design yeah, um, yeah well you're right you know we we spent 3 weeks talking about contracts when anna was on the show so that was episode 30 something yeah and what are we now 74 this week yeah. um and it's it's hard and i wonder how if you do a single topic podcast particularly with the same people you know, when it's just like, you know, if it was you and me talking or you and Liz talking or me and Anna talking or whatever, it's hard to to keep the, the motivation going, isn't it? It's hard to keep yeah. the, the, the topic fresh. I never want to do interviews. You know, I, I, I want it almost to be like somebody's just kind of overhearing our conversation, you know? Yeah, yeah. So although when we do this, I, I try to make it sound as if we're just making it up as we go along. There's actually quite a lot of preparation usually. Mm -hmm. and we have we have sort of talking points there's no way that i can just keep talking about business you know what invoicing and contracts and you know payment terms because just that's not what i live and breathe and and it's turned out this show anyway has turned out to be much more about you know what i'm interested in and what my guests are interested in and stuff that's going on at you know that time um than it is really about about the business side. And I'm sure that we'll, you know, we'll, we'll have lost people along the way. Cause you just think, Oh man, how many times can they talk about brioche? <laughs> I prefer a brioche bun. Oh God. You see <laughs> <laughs> now, now you get now, started.
1: what, what really riles me though, is a lot of these fancy restaurants with some great, great chefs and putting some great food out are trying to do a gourmet burger and they're getting it wrong. You know, they've got a, a flowered bap and, now, it just doesn't, you know, they need to go to somewhere like, you know, Honest Burger or somewhere or uh, Patty and Bun or one of these cool places in London, have a real burger and then go back and start again. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> burger buns aside. What is it about, about podcasters <laughs> and buns? Hey, you're from up north. You should call them Cobbs or Baps. You call them Baps. Cobbs,
0: Baps, whatever. Yeah. I think Cobbs is a Midlands thing, isn't it? I don't know really because we called them Baps in Nottingham when i lived there but they call all kinds of things yeah but uh anyway we digress (laughs) but it's it's hard it's hard to keep these things so i'm glad you're coming back
1: yeah well i've I've had every intention last year was was amazing for me you know i'm i i I overcome my fear of 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 talking to people at conferences you know i i i broke down that wall between me and web celebs and you know all these things it helped me focus last year and, and, and understand that you know Everyone else is just like me and, you know, kind of, so, so, and that all came off the back of, of the show. So it's been, it's been great. It's been fantastic. And then, you know, to get, to get to a point where I'm in a room with, you know, you guys, um, up for the same award, um, for, for, you know, probably the world's biggest, um, web industry magazine, uh, that, that, you know, to get nominated for that was maybe but that told me that what I was doing was worth it. Nah, we were robbed, mate. We were robbed. <laughs> of course we were.
0: That's why I haven't done this bloody show for six weeks. Oh man, you were gutted. You were like, well, if if if, if they're not going to appreciate me, nobody can. Yeah, oh, <laughs> it. it's funny. So you wanted to talk about the net awards though, because well, yeah, you. I mean, you you
1: you said you, the show you did with Laura that the following week. Um, you know, you, you you mentioned. I think I could, I wrote your words down because I'm I'm, I'm I, I've got a habit of paraphrasing people and getting it all wrong. But you, you the words you said, or at least from your show notes, was you know what, what, you, you talked about why you don't feel at home in the web industry as it is today, and how the conversations no ref, no longer reflect your interests in design. and And I thought, thank fuck for that. Somebody's somebody's said how I was feeling last year. You know, when I was going through this specializing versus being a jack of all trades. Yeah. You know, I, I started doing this back in the nineties. We were all webmasters. We did every bloody thing. You know, we'd absolutely everything we did it, you know, and, and, and I've kind of carried on doing that even till today. So I've always been a webmaster. You know, I do web design. I do web development and, and all the new niche things that go with it, like user experience designers. <laughs> um, but, but you know, I, I do that whole thing. So when I was going to some conferences, albeit maybe one of the more technical, uh, some of the more technical ones. And I was listening um, to conversations that were going on and trying to contribute. And people were talking about certain processes and certain products and certain things. And I was like, this, this isn't what, this isn't me. This isn't why I'm in doing what I'm doing. This isn't how I got into it. it I, I felt so detached from, from it that I thought, well, yeah, I, I, it, it, it gave me massive anxiety. I thought, it, this is it. I've got to go and get a job doing something completely different. I know, I know, sorry, I, I swore there, but I, that, that really, I, I really felt like that. And I had great difficulty in expressing that to people. So when you said that, I thought, wow, that's it. That's how I felt. And I've been able to use that now to tell, to explain to people. Cause Beck, my, you know, my wife, she, she kind of knew it was a bit, I was having a little bit of a wobble, but nothing, it wasn't dramatic and I, I, I handled it quite well. But inside, I, I, I struggled to explain to people how I felt. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's, I, I was really glad that somebody else was feared in the same way.
0: Well, I don't know whether it's a, maybe it's an age thing, maybe it's a generational thing, maybe, you know, we are of a, a, not, not in terms of age, but a, a web generation where we didn't grow up with with some of the things that obviously people are mm. enthusiastic about now, um, yeah. and. You know, I, th- I think that, you know, you could dress it up. I mean, if you wanted to go all kind of psycho babble, you could say that it was imposter syndrome or something. But yeah. I think yeah. that actually yeah. it's just right and natural to question your abilities and where you fit. And one of the things that I hope that I've taught Alex, um, and I try to encourage students that, you know, I teach is the most important thing that you can do and the most important thing that I learned at art school was to be adaptable and it sounds to me sometimes when I listen to myself it sounds to me as if I'm thinking "Ah, man you're just sounding inflexible it's like nope we did it this way when I was young and that's the way that I think we should still do it which of course Mm. is completely different You know, I'm thinking, well, we must focus on ideas because that's how we did it in the 1960s. That's, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. And so I have to be careful about that. But questioning your abilities and and trying to figure out where you fit in things, um, is, is tricky, you know, and, and and it's painful sometimes, you know, starting on this project, we started on Monday, fantastic client based in Manchester. I'm going to have a real blast working with them. They keep calling it a web app. I keep calling it a website. But, you know, well, that's about <laughs> – We that's where we'll disagree. Yeah, yeah, But I thought to myself, I'm going to be making a lot of templates. And obviously I use Hammer for Mac quite a lot. But I thought maybe it's time to get a little bit more serious. Maybe it's time to um, learn a templating language, something like Jekyll, where I can, you know, produce things a bit quicker. So I thought, yeah. who's the best person to learn Jekyll and GitHub pages and things like that from Well, obviously Anna Debenham made a, she wrote a fantastic article on 24 ways, which rightly won an award at the net awards, um, for, well, whatever category it was in. But I thought I'm going to go to that. I'm going to have a look at that. I get to the first bit where it's, you, you you type in a a command in the, in the terminal and it failed. now i knew from, that's me that's what happened to me <laughs> i knew from previous experience that yeah. if it says permissions in the error then maybe you just stick pseudo on the front and i did that and it worked so i thought hey ho i get to the next bit and then i it, it asked for something else and then it was like could not do this and it was like some incomprehensible error message and some smart asses on google on, on twitter well i will just google the error message you google an error message and you get to stack overflow you oh know, jesus you, you know <laughs> now where do you go right yeah, yeah and the worst thing about it for me is that if you half install something and in, i mean i know what it's like when you half install something on a mac or on, on a pc Wait, yeah but when you half install something on you know on the command line does it mean that there's like tons of just lying around on your Mac somewhere that you can't actually see. Now, maybe people will say, well, you're overreacting. You should know about these things. But I don't know about them, and maybe I am overreacting. Yeah. But the point was, is it made me feel stupid. And th- the, the problem with the, with, with the NET Awards was that everything that was being celebrated was stuff yeah. that made me feel stupid. Yeah, and old, <laughs> all those young kids there. But, you know, you I know. don't mind that. You know, I honestly don't mind that, because i've spent you know as long as i've been blogging and writing and speaking and whatever the, my biggest motivation is to encourage you know young people to come and do things better yeah that's what i'm about that's what
1: i've always been about well it's true i mean i i get i get so inspired by because they're so talented it's like you know, i just wish i had a, 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 just a, an ounce of their talent you know, and and it just yeah, they all inspire me to go off and do stuff you know i'll, I'll spend a, an hour or so on dribble just you know get pages deep in all this fantastic stuff and then for the rest of the day i want to you know go and design logos or you know it's kind of it and it is it seeing this the the quality of the work that they're producing um is it, it's, it's really inspiring
0: I love to see how other people work and I love other people's ideas. And I really want to, you know, encourage more collaboration and all of that kind of stuff. So it's not like I'm kind of just sitting in my kind of dusty ivory tower thinking, well, you know, I I knew what we were doing in the old days. Um, I'll tell you who's, who's really inspiring in this particular uh, approach. And that's Zeldman. I mean, there's, there's a lot to admire about Jeffrey, but Mm. One of the things that I love about Jeffrey is he will go into a business or into a project or a collaboration with people and he doesn't compete with them. He doesn't take over or do anything like that. You know, he's not, he's not dictating to them, Hmm. but he will inspire them to do something better or different or whatever. And he kind of imparts his wisdom and experience and, you know, he works with some, you know, if you think about Mandy Brown or Jason Maria or Ethan Marcotte and all of these people and they're the people that now work at Happy Cog yeah. in the different, uh, different cities, you know, all of those people, he, you know, in a little bit like in the old sort of, I don't know, think about advertising days, you know, the creative director would go, yeah, well, that's fantastic, but you know, could you maybe just like emphasize that part? You know, that's how I imagine Jeffrey working, just, you know, being mm. responsible for that kind of just extra level of exquisite control yeah yeah and that's that's what i i'd like to do and i I don't think that you know i want to design everything anymore because i don't it's it's
1: like the true it's a it's it's the the true creative director's role isn't it it's kind of you know it's it's steering the direction yes a little bit without you know hands on yeah yeah
0: i used to be like stupidly worried about how people wrote css you know if we worked with freelancers dan Davis will know about this. <laughs> um, when Dan's written code for me. You know, I am I am very particular about the way that I write CSS. Yeah. But I'm less particular about the way that other people write it because at the end of the day, you know, what I used to think of as, you know, beautiful indentation or spacing or whatever, it all gets bloody minified anyway. Nobody ever yeah, sees of course it. it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've kind of like learned to pull back on that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to yeah. do. I don't want to code everything anymore. I don't want to design anything everything anymore. Uh, but I like, like, but I'd like to have, I'd like to have an influence.
1: Yeah. Been backed off from client work for the last sort of six months or so. Well, probably from the tail, you know, as a, as a t- tail off from my pickle with uh, specializing or not. Um, I kind of didn't take on client work again. And I haven't really, I've done one or two jobs, but I haven't really actively gone out. And um, so, yeah, I'm doing client work again. So I'm. I'm leading up to that. Now I've, I've repositioned myself. Um, and, um, you know, I've rebranded, I've got the copyright for my new site and that's going to launch in the next week or two, um, in the precursor to my, uh, speaking gig at Cardiff, um, at the business of web design. So I'm kind of, I'm getting ai I want to do the coding and I want to do the design and I want to do the sitting down with the client and helping them see, you know, I'm moving over to value based pricing. So I'm, um, all this time off in this last sort of few months. And while we haven't been doing the show, it's allowed me to focus on some personal projects. I was setting up a new venture for the wife. Um, and, and I've, I've sort of looked at these personal pro- in the past. It's been a personal project for fun, but now I'm looking at them more. Um, you know, particularly following, uh, Rachel Andrew and, and, and she's talking about her profitable business and, and, and she's got her um a book that she's released recently you know it's kind of i'm starting to look now at my personal projects as you know what if this became my working life so i'm looking at it more with a business perspective and 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 having that that take on things has helped me see the value in what i do technically and how that can be applied to client work um so you know i i i, I enjoy the coding and and the, and the um and, and, and the, obviously the design side, but I'm enjoying the strategy as well. And I'm, 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 you know, even, you know, I've never done conversion testing and, uh, uh, uh optimization and the uh, A-B testing and stuff, but I've started doing that on some of the things that we're doing. And, you know, and I, and I'm loving that whole holistic approach to, uh, well, not web design. It's more brand, isn't it? Because it's, you know, I'm, 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 I'm seeing myself as working on a, a brand experience, whether it's, working on a website or doing, um, you know, some, some graphic design work or something. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the whole picture now and I'm enjoying that. And I, uh, you know, I, I think I've got a, this year is going to, um, be quite different. I think for me,
0: that sounds ace. Nice.
1: Yeah.
0: It sounds like you've actually got something really
1: good to focus on. I've, I've need, I've needed the time. Yeah, absolutely. I've needed to step back. And uh, luckily, because of one of my side projects, you know, some of my fonts have earned me the money to be able to do that. Um, and a lot of people say, well, it's all well and good. You've got that to fall back on. You've got this. But uh, even if you don't have the, you know, you, you hear about these people who just sort of jack their job, job in and go traveling for a year and they come back, you know, uh, a guru and they kind of, you know, uh, sometimes you need to step away from it. You know, even if it puts you in, into, um, a dark place, you know, so I, I read somewhere, Reese, I can't remember where it was, but somebody was talking about if you want to come out of, if you want to see that spark of lightning, you've got to be in a dark place to start with. Yeah, I have um, seen that quote. It was, it was, it, I'm sure it was a blog post from somebody in our industry this, the, the, this morning I read maybe. Um, but yeah, I, and I think, you know, sometimes you might need to put yourself in that place, um, and struggle for a while to be able to, to see your way out. Um, and, You know, I've kind of been there
0: for a while, but it's certainly going in the right direction now. So, Well, talking of side projects, although I don't know whether it is a side project, it might be her main business. I'm going to go and help Naomi move some dust around in her new shop. (laughs) Cool. So thanks very much for for coming on today. I really, really enjoyed that. And hopefully, hopefully people thought that we had a, a good and meaningful conversation Without agreeing uh, and, or disagreeing and you know And without slating anybody without too much. slating anybody because you know man I really do hate that. I mean yeah. if there's one thing that um that, that actually does get my goat is uh is that kind of you know level of, of, of personal nastiness. And I, I I hope I never do that. Right, so people can follow you, Sean, on Twitter. You are Sean UK. But you have a website too, because Jeremy reminded me last week that actually people don't just have Twitter accounts, they do actually have websites.
1: The website I've got up currently, which will be changing over the course of the next couple of weeks, it's seanjohnson.net. It's, it's a site I put up quickly during my pickle last year. So it's, it's, I, it's not me. It's not my brand. It's not, it's not me. The new one that will be coming up, um, soon, um, is the copy is me and the, the the visual, the visual design (laughs) is me. You know, the, the kind of look and fit. It's, 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 it's what I've been talking about. It's that whole, I, 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 feel happy that it represents me holistically. So, uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll tweet about that when I put it live because I'll be, I'll be keen to get people's impressions of it to see how they feel about it.
0: You should use hover to check whether you can get UK. Je- I tried, um,
1: because I tried my host apparently i think that i think i don't know if this is a sandboxing thing and they'll open it up but at the moment they're only allowing um dot uk purchases to the people who own the dot co dot yeah we had which that. to I, I i appreciate that i mean obviously there's a brand thing there but uh, unless they open that up i don't see the point of releasing the dot co dot the, sorry the dot uk name because uh, to me to release another extension opens up more opportunities rather than just giving somebody Yeah, brand retention kind of thing. So hopefully they will open it
0: up and I will, I will be first in line for it. (laughs) Yeah. We had to, we had to deal with some of that stuff. So people can ask questions or suggest topics and they can message the show on Twitter at unfinished.bz or you can email me. He has at unfinished.bz. Thanks again to our sponsors this week. They were hover because we haven't mentioned them enough. 10% off your purchase with the offer code unfinished and my favorite text editor, Mac Rabbits espresso. As always, You can support our show by supporting them. Cool. You bastards. (laughs) People take it the wrong way.